Next Normal, we study at home. Next Normal, wir studieren zu Hause. The recent study situation from your point of view in three words. Flexible, monotonous, passive? Yeah, I would say flexible too, online and lonely. Welcome to a very, very special episode of Next Normal, We Study at Home. My name is Laura Eichbrecht and I work at the Cooperative State University Baden-Württemberg and together with Ulf Daniel Ehlers, Professor for Lifelong Learning and Educational Management at this institution, I'm hosting this final episode. I'm part of a research team, the Next Education Research Team, And there we do a lot of research, but also dissemination activities on the future of higher education, future skills, etc. Since the pandemic started, we have interviewed students from Germany in the beginning, but later from all over Europe about how they are doing, how they perceive and experience the study situation in times of the pandemic and what ideas they have for the future of higher education. Because while the situation has been very hard and difficult for all students in the last years, it also has been a big experiment on how future learning could look like. And we should learn from it. But why is this episode so special? Well, it's actually the final episode of Next Normal We Study at Home. After many conversations with students and student representatives from all over Europe with contacts facilitated by SU, the European Students' Union, talking to students from Finland, Austria, Malta, Czech Republic, Belgium, Spain, Romania, Italy, Slovenia, the Netherlands, etc. Talking about subjects such as mental health, international mobility, new ways of teaching and learning, etc. We are presenting the final episode of Next Normal today. And for this, we are coming back to Germany, where we are also working. And we've had the chance to talk to Lilith Dieringer and Paul Claire. They're also very engaged students in many institutions, but they will tell you about it more themselves. And we really wanted to look back and make a wrap-up of what happened and what we can learn from it and really formulate some visions for the future. Even if this is the final episode, this is not the end of all the challenges. And of course, our research group will still engage in activities about the future of learning and we will still advocate for students' voices being included in these debates because the one thing that we've really learned from this podcast is that we should absolutely do it because it makes sense. There are great visions and ideas and many students are really willing to take responsibility here. Our research group will engage in further activities promoting this also a new podcast series in preparation. But for now, let's look back, let's look into the future and let's listen to Paul and Lilith. Yes, so hello everyone. I'm Lilith. I'm currently studying at Dresden at the Technical University International Relations and um, the organization that is the Digital Change Maker from Hochschulforum Digitalisierung, what I am alumni of now. And during this year of Digital Change Maker engagement, what I did, I made a lot of also podcasts, videos and projects regarding the digital way of studying and helping and improving students as well as lecturers to increase the amount of digital study and improve the way how we educate. Yeah, hello everyone. I'm Paul 
Uh, I'm currently living and studying in Karlsruhe. I'm doing my master's degree in science communication. And I'm a former member of the executive committee of the German National Students Union. Uh, I was part of that from summer 2020 to summer 2021. Yeah, also we worked during the pandemic. So we worked on improving the situation for students in general, but also, yeah, during the pandemic and during the online courses. And, and currently, uh, I'm also representing the German Bologna working group in the uh, BFUG working group for learning and teaching. So I'm still active there. Wow, that's a lot of engagement for studying from you both, actually, very different fields. One thing which you, which you said, Paul, was lonely and Lilith, you said passive as one of your three words. And during this pandemic, in the first year especially, there was this term, this concept of social presence while doing online teaching, which was um, one of the buzzwords uh, in a way for, for universities, for teachers. Everybody talked about it and nobody knew really how to do it, <laughs> how to generate presence, this feeling of being connected while being online and being remote, being apart. I would like to know what, what you think about this. Did we fail with generating, with developing social presence in our online courses? I think many people tried to, to achieve uh, this this kind of presence but yeah i think it's hard to really achieve it and i think at least many people failed doing this i'm in my third master semester and i uh, came new to the university university for my master yeah i barely know my fellow students and i think many people tried with group work and they said yeah that made these uh, breakout sessions and then we had to work in little groups but also online we didn't know each other we couldn't go for lunch after a lecture or something like that so i think that's what matters i think it's just barely impossible to to achieve it while only meeting online yeah i think it's it's really hard maybe to add to that I have the feeling that the presence kind of defines also that sometimes random things happen or that not scheduled stuff happens. So when doing everything online, it's just, okay, you meet for a topic and it's not like, okay, in between the lectures, you go for a walk and then a topic comes up. So I think that's really difficult in a kind of scheduled situation. But I would rather say that it also depends on the lecturer. I mean, there are some classes They felt really tense and really passive and others who kind of especially in smaller groups were able to engage people so it felt a bit more like being in a lecture so for instance i i would like to name the example of language courses that we also had online and we had some really good teachers who managed it to kind of bring us together and to make us discussing because that's what matters in the language part so i would say it depends also but in general it's quite difficult to make a presence online in our work with students and also in this podcast during the last year we were always having this sentence, the saying of studying is not just a download of lectures. And of course, that was clear to, to everybody even before, of course. But um, 
my impression is that the pandemic was making this, yeah, bringing it on the table in a, in a very, very powerful way again, to see that the lectures, the knowledge transfer, learning a subject is just one component of academic development, of studying, of broadening a horizon, of learning to relate to the world, to oneself, to others, and, and, and so on. This seems to be something which we didn't manage to understand in the beginning. Um, now we have, well, well, almost probably one entire student generation, <laughs> which has not made this experience really of what, what you said, Lilith, this serendipitous uh, moment of meeting somebody in the hallway and talking uh, to him or her about any kind of subject which you wouldn't have thought of before. How, how would you would you see this generation or generation, this, this cohort of students coming out? Is this a cohort where we can later say, wow, these are the ones which survived Corona and they are especially skilled because they managed to go through that? Or is it the other way around that you say, no, these are the students which we need to take care of specifically because they had such a hard time that they are, I don't know, that they are limited in all kinds of ways. What, what, what is your take for the future life? Yeah, maybe I can start somewhere else and come to that. Earlier, when I was younger, when I was in school, everybody said the time at the university is the best time of your life. You will have the best time of your life. And it's so great. You have so much freedom and you will learn so much for your life. Not just knowledge you get from your lectures, but also just experiences which give you so much for life. And I think knowledge-wise, from like stuff from the books, they just know as much as the people before or the people that will come after COVID. But in the experiences, I think they are, or we are missing so much. At least I had almost the whole bachelor degree without COVID. So, so I had this experience at first, but now I know what I'm missing. And uh, that's a problem too, I think. But they won't, they will miss like how a university works they won't know how the structures are how you develop during the academic process and i think that's a problem not just for later academic personnel but also for yeah people who just do their their degrees for some place to work and yeah you're meeting friends there you you're building connections to other people that you will profit from in in later life so yeah, I think that's a big, big problem. Yeah, adding up to that, I think you already or you also choose like where you study, not only because of the lecturers, but also because of maybe the city around or the like offers that the university has more than the lectures. So for me, Dresden is a really cultural city and there's normally a lot going on also regarding theater music. And we had it a bit in summer when like, uh, we could do open air things, but still there was a lot which was important for me to decide to go here, but then didn't happen. And I think that's also something that we all miss and all those yeah, activities besides classes. And for me, for instance, it is now that I like studied for one semester offline and the rest was a COVID study. So I feel like I really want to do a master now and try to have it as 
yeah, COVID-free as possible to have a kind of real study again. I think that not all people can do so. And maybe there are also some who now want to work or want to travel because also all of this has not been able till now. But um, for me personally, before it was not that clear that I directly want to add a master. But now I feel like, okay, I, I have to study. I want this experience somehow. And on the other hand, I think what was also very interesting, what was said is that learning is not only the way of downloading things this not only can be seen to students now but i think to everyone because all people who are not also at university not had a lot of possibilities to learn something new and to get into touch with something so i guess that also people as we said meeting along the hallway I mean, it's always the coffee break that is branded. This is missing, but also not going to museums, etc. For all kind of people is something where we see normally we educate. We don't do not only educate during we study at university, also afterwards. So it's a lifelong learning. And I think this part has been missed for students as well as for others. I think that's a very valid point. And I think that's also something we see in our everyday lives, that it has become, yeah, something that we have to relearn, maybe to socialize with people that we do not know and to hang around with people that may have other opinions as well. So I think it's a very important point. And Lilith, what you've done in this time is also that you did a semester abroad in St. Petersburg. I think that's also something interesting to hear. How was it for you and how was the experience there different and how could you take advantage from that semester abroad? Yeah, first of all, I was really happy that it worked. I mean, the year before, uh, where there was nearly total lockdown, the people had to postpone or do it online. And I think that an online semester abroad is even worse than online normal study, because like a semester abroad, of course, is something special. So I went to St. Petersburg, as you said, and also a lot of classes were online. Mm -hmm. But at least I was in another city. I could discover the city because it was quite open at that time. And also one time went to the campus just to look around how it is kind of but of course there was also the missing of the hallway talks so I had the feeling that I did not connect as much as other students and really international students and many people that went to like the same university before and I discussed with them they said okay I met this person and this person and now I have this friends and those friends it was much more difficult because like all the online lectures were basically also not with many discussions and not with small groups but with bigger group and you nearly just only listen to the people so um, also the Russian system is kind of a bit more like school and not as much as university here it was even more like passive so I think that it was more difficult, but there were some students groups as well, like the Erasmus student group, and they also did some meetings and some talks and tried to make us engage and make us meet. So I think we tried to make the best out of it. I think it was important and it helped me a lot, but still it was a bit more passive and, and less interacting than I, I think would be without COVID. Yeah, happy to, to be able to done it, but of course also some issues. Great, thank you. When the the whole situation started, I think we, we talked a lot about there are some students who are coping well with the situation, there are some students who are coping less well. 
And there was also the new subject that maybe the situation showed that there are some inequalities to um, higher education and access to higher education. So now I, I don't hear about it as much anymore. Like have students actually dropped out because of the situation? Yeah, has there been a big inequality of studying in this time of shutdown? What is your impression right now? Has the situation become more normal again? Or have we have we just have more of the inequalities that we have had before? Or what are your ideas on that? Maybe I just quickly start with one point that comes up to my mind. I think that people had not have the possibility to kind of enlarge their horizon um, when they come out of maybe not middle or high income families. So normally after school, if you, for instance, decide to study at a university, you come out of out of the house of your parents, you meet other people. And now I also have contact to some who just finished their school didn't know really what to do started to do some online learning just stayed with the family and did not have like opportunity to meet with others so they stick to their old friendship zone what may be not that healthy or not that um, yeah kind of well educated so um, I think that was or is maybe really a problem that you did not have the ability to just move to another city get to students getting to meet them but you stick more into your old friendship zone And I think this is a bit more unequal than just normally when you mix totally at the start of university and kind of start a new life episode. I would add to that, I think being isolated, maybe without parents that can help you because they didn't went to university or they, yeah, they just, they are not there anymore or something like that. And then normally it would be more difficult for those people than for uh, people with parents that went to university uh, like <laughs> and the whole last generations of their family also did. but they would have fellow students who they could ask for help or yeah they would just have other people just like Lilith also said yeah and then there's also the financial component so I think people with wealthy parents They could be supported by their parents, but then, especially in the beginning, like all the part-time jobs at restaurants, cafes, in the whole cultural scene, yeah, they went away. And then also many students had financial problems and especially the ones that could not count on support by their parents, maybe because they lost their job too, or uh, yeah, had less income or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, they had it very difficult in comparison to others. And yeah, I, I think there might be might have been a big drop out of those people because they said, okay, I, I don't have time to, to study. I have to get some place to work, even if it's full time. And maybe I can start after afterwards again or after the pandemic or when the situation is better. On the other side, I think, we should try to find positive aspects of digital lecturing because there is maybe some who now thought, okay, everything is online, so I can also do something online. So I like remember some friend of me who just has a small baby and would not have kind of been able to go to university and now studies at home or also people with disabilities who are not able to access university buildings nicely for them it might have been a slowdown of the barrier to just start the study or just try it out maybe there were also some people 
for which it was a really big step to just go to university and move to there. And now they said, okay, just I, I will just try it, look a bit, and maybe it will turn out to be nice. So I think it's important to try to take the positive points out of it and see what might have been changed in a, in a good way and to remain that. Because I think that now if we just do the same as before, it would be not that beneficial. Yeah, that's a super interesting point which i also wanted to to go uh, into but paul what you said is, is something we should come come back to later also this issue of of mental health or well-being also which we know from many surveys that many many students are affected through the the isolation they they experienced and i think we should come back to that later later on also a little bit more specifically because often these are the the persons you don't see anymore which is really terrible but before we come to that i, I would also like to like talk a little bit about the 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 changes and we, we usually notice very quickly what we cannot do any longer, <laughs> what's missing. But I would also be interested in, in your experience of, did, did you also experience new opportunities? Like you hinted in that direction now. For example, for, for us and our, our research work, our university life, we experienced a huge and enormous growth of activity and interest and opportunities connecting through to colleagues from all over the world and giving huge loads of presentations and doing videos and podcasts. And I've never in my life done so much work with others than I did in the last two years, I, I have to say. That, that's an interesting aspect, which I haven't quite evaluated yet what it means. <laughs> Uh, I, I really I'm, I'm desperately looking forward to the time uh, of our next seminar and lecture where we meet in presence again. But this other aspect is also interesting that, that there was a lot of opportunities growing. How, how did you experience that? Did you, did you change your way of working, of relating, of other things which you say, wow, that's, that's really different and good? <laughs> Just one quick point, I think it became more normal to include people who are not able to come in presence now. So I have the feeling that you started to see, oh, I like everything's online. Why don't take the colleague from New York or from like Nigeria or whatever? This is something that I appreciate as well as kind of, I think, a bit of freedom of where you want to work. So or where you want to study. I think it was a pity that at the same time the university was not in presence and you could not travel. But like um, I noticed that, that some of my fellow students, when they now went to semester abroad, they continued to do one or two classes that they missed the last semester. So they just could combine kind of their study in Dresden and abroad. And this is something I would say they adapted kind of to. Yeah, I also think it, like international cooperations are more easy than they were before. At the moment, I have a, a seminar. At the university i still have it it's, and the next the next session it's over two days it's in two weeks i think initially should have been with with a university and a group of people a group of students in south africa and it won't be because of uh, like formal regulations and stuff but that wouldn't have been possible earlier when all of the students had to be there in presence or it would have been a huge huge piece of work to accomplish that and also uh, i just 
had a seminar and a group work, a big group work with fellow students. And one of them already was in the in a semester abroad in Sweden for already the summer semester. So, so, so she left in, I think, January. And because of their different semester structure, she would have skipped all the exams from from this year but because of the online semester it it is possible to attend both and and i think that's a great opportunity and maybe she and i already talked to her and she said yeah if if that wouldn't have been possible she wouldn't have gone abroad and yeah i think that's that's great uh, such things yeah and and i i learned that you both are persons which are super good in networking and are very well networked throughout Europe and the world. <laughs> Would you say that that in your mindset, something shifted and changed that you say, okay, now if we want to start an initiative, we just do it with people from all over. It's not necessary to look in Dresden or Karlsruhe. <laughs> it's just, I find my group anywhere. Did you have such an experience also? I feel that, that my mindset was already a bit like that before because I worked in international groups and also national-wide and, for instance, digital changemakers. We are also from all over Germany, so sometimes we met. But during this like whole year, we had like weekly calls online. So for me, it was always kind of obvious that this is possible. But I feel that it's now easier to suggest this to others. So to say, okay, we do it like that try it out or you have already needed to try it out because there was no other possibility. So I really appreciate that my kind of mindset or my flexible mindset to just yeah connect also with people who might not be there in presence, that is much easier. And I like that it's more more welcoming now. I just wanted to say the same thing, but I could add up to that. And I think especially in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone started to meet online. And then also a group of friends and colleagues of mine that is spread all over the globe. And we just said, hey, let's connect and do a video call. And we before we know each other for like six years now, and we almost never did such a thing. And after and during the pandemic, we had the idea, why don't we do it more often? Why didn't we do it before? And yeah, I think that's what you meant, uh, Ulf. So yeah, I think that that changed. Laura, I, I wonder how, how this was actually for you. I sometimes tend to think those contacts which were closer and which were like tuned on presential face to face, they have become lesser. In, in my life, I can say that at least. And, and those contacts, which I never dreamt of developing, <laughs> they have become much more. So that, that was my experience there. Yeah, I think a lot of opportunities, as you said, were opening up, like um, doing like an online panel and inviting students to it from different countries and then discussing with some higher education experts and just doing that. And we also had some students say in our podcast interviews that this way of meeting online, it kind of uh, tore some barriers down to connect maybe because we're in Zoom, we are all like a little window and we're all a bit more alike <laughs> in this way. So uh, everybody of us can have like bad internet connection and get kicked out of the meeting. And everybody of us uh, has to sit in front of a computer. So it's not like in maybe in a big lecture hall where you have the professor in front and everybody's staring at him. So um, this might be some, some nice approach to it as well. 
I think there are great opportunities and they developed and I'm better connected since the last two years. But also I have to add, it's not the same. It's not a replacement because I think Ulf, we are, we've been in like three or four uh, conferences, but we had never had the talk between doors or like we never had the coffee break or something. It's also, it's the same there. So it's very formal to talk via Zoom or WebEx or so on. And yeah, that's again, the negative stuff, but I think I missed that a lot. So, because often the good things and the good connections develop because of that, not because of the 90 minute talk you had on a Zoom call. It's something also that we see now that there's a big wish to get back to normal, as we would say, like, which means that we meet on campus and that we can have that spontaneous chat in between lectures and that we can go to the Mensa to have lunch together, etc. We hear that a lot, the wish of going back to normal. But of course, there's also the wish formulated that we cannot go back to normal because um, maybe it wasn't that great in all points before. And then we also need to learn from what we have experienced now. You said some things like hybrid settings might have potential and in including other students, etc. So what do you think? What, what should we take from the situation? Where should we not go back to normal but learn from the last two years? I would maybe start with a negative example because I have the feeling that, for instance, at my university, now they already restrict the flexible ways of doing your exams so it was kind of oh we can do exams in presence now or we can like now do everything strict and like our student council they really tried to yeah implement some positive aspects that you might have learned so also for instance that you can um, retake the exam if you feel like it has not been well enough or something but the university has kind of blocked everything and um, now basically the only way to have those advantages again that you had in the last semesters is by taking a lawyer so I would say that's really like kind of not shocked me but I was really disappointed because I thought that hey it's not that we are always cheating when we do something online or that we love to reschedule our exams and uh, take it five times no I mean we are students and we are old enough I think to decide and Those were some additions and some things that were really important to us. I, I think it's really disappointing that many people from like who, who are able to decide it block it now and say, you know, just let's get back to the conservative way. So my first goal maybe would be to just change the way of how we write exams or maybe even enlarge it and say we will have exams that you can take all over the year when you feel that you're ready to do it. So maybe to think even more than we did a talk now and try to make positive outcomes out of it. But unfortunately, as I said, I, I don't see that happening. There are two sides of lecturers. I think there are the ones that really thought about how to do it online and then it w went very well. And I think they are the ones that will profit also after all the regulations fall and we have a yeah I, I struggle with the with the term normal because online is normal to me and, and now and yeah I think we can't go back to normal we, we have to create a new normal and yeah that includes also um yeah adapting some things then there are the ones that just said yeah I will 
do the same thing, but we will do it online and I will still meet with you weekly and we won't do group work or, or something. And yeah, you just have to work around it. And I think they are the ones that won't take some positive things with them because they yeah close themselves uh, or they shut themselves away from all the yeah maybe possible improvement or the new aspects of teaching and learning and then there are some some very simple things i think we should take uh, with us in the study life without the pandemic or after the pandemic is like online lectures i think are a very good especially lectures where you just have a person in front passing knowledge to many people in the room, just frontal teaching without any discussions or interactive aspects. And I think that's great online. So I, maybe some people have to have the lecture hall where they sit and they don't have distractions like their phone and flatmates or somebody interrupting. I totally understand that. But maybe we just have to to yeah enlarge the capacity of the uh, libraries and where you can work without distractions. But online lectures, especially when they are recorded and uploaded, why don't we give the students this kind of flexibility? Because I think the learning experience won't be less. And I think when when I'm in the mood to hear those those lectures, I will take more from them. And I will learn more and uh, yeah and then maybe I'm in the mood to to hear one after another and maybe I don't feel like it for two weeks and then I can just I can fit them in my schedule and why not I think that's that would be a great opportunity and a great addition to the rest I totally agree especially for the like frontal lectures where you just get kind of basic knowledge for instance and are not that much engaging and for me I'm a really sporty person and I love doing lectures and doing sports at the time. And when I am sitting in the lecture, I just open my like mobile phone or emails because I have to sidetrack a bit. But then the side makes me too much to listen to the lecture. But doing sports, I can really nicely concentrate on the lectures. So maybe some other people have other methods to concentrate or just going for a walk or something. So I guess that this is a really nice way that everyone can individualize his or her way of studying. And also, I would say we should then adding up to like having spaces where people can do these online lectures, because I guess that I'm in a privileged situation and not all people would have the opportunity to listen to those lectures in a really silent and concentrated way. But then I would like the concept of just opening up the university spaces and library spaces so that people who want to like have the place there they can take it and people like me just take their laptop to the gym etc and also maybe as you said to be more flexible as like i'm also a professional sports girl uh, kind of um, i could not have attended some lectures and doing like my training so on the bus for instance i could now listen to the lectures and otherwise i kind of would have to decide whether I take one year more in university or I just cancel my professional sports career. So I guess that's a really good way that you are flexible and mobile and just can also your laptop, your mobile phone on the way and listen to it. Wonderful. This example of doing sports while listening to a lecture is really great. <laughs> just a quick question to you both. Can you recall an example of a lecture in this last two years where you thought, wow, That was really cool. 
Okay, I have one. <laughs> um, like we had one alumni um, who now like lives in New York and works for the United Nations there. And he said, okay, the last years he lived in Berlin and he always did some seminars. And then he thought, oh no, now I'm in New York. I can't do that anymore. And then COVID started. So he immediately said, okay, everything is online. Just make a lecture. And for him, it was like midday. For us, it was like evening, evening, evening. But um, it was really nice. Like we were, I think, 10 or 15 people and discussing a lot about like what kind of work experience he has so we all researched and contributed with presentations with talks but then he always had his insights and that was really really nice so I think that's also inspiring if you have people who come from the praxis and take this praxis into lectures and then you really have the yeah not only the theory but you can discuss you can like research the news and you can look oh he was the guy who published this and that or who worked this and that and that was really nice I've from different lectures and seminars some moments or some some kind of things and the first thing I experienced the most was were group works not big group works but like you have to do a presentation and you have to prepare it for the next two weeks I don't like that online at all but in the lecture during the time during the 90 minutes of lecture or seminar to say okay we now do like short breakout sessions i prepared them you will be there now and then they click and you are in this little group and then you have every group has a different task you have to discuss something you have to think about something you have to collect opinions or anything and then you come back to the to the big group and you present you continue to discuss or or something like that i think that went very very well and i like that a lot because that would have never been possible in a in a room especially not like two times in a row in 90 minutes because you would have to yeah form the groups and everyone had to walk around and it would have been chaotic and i think that's a great thing and i already mentioned it i think the cooperation with students from South Africa or in my case or from with other countries or from other countries and other universities that's very great too and it, it supports the, the the cultural and the exchange between different universities and different academic cultures and so on and I think that's a great opportunity too yeah um, lots of great ideas I think and I think what we also can take from this is that there's maybe some, some wish or some um, demand for giving more responsibility to you as well or listening more to what studying is actually about for you. In the last years, we also heard a lot like um, students feel abandoned by politics. They are not seen, they are not heard enough by politics or their demands are like, okay, you're a student, so you can figure it out. Studying is such a nice time, so so don't complain, etc., etc. We heard a lot of that. How do you feel about that? Do you think like your voice has been heard? And what, what would your approach be to maybe make the student voice heard more in the future? I think whether the student voice is heard or not, there are different levels and it depends on, on some, some factors. And I think there's the level of inner university decisions and problems and problem solving. And there it obviously depends on the, on the university and how the students 
already interacted before the pandemic with their university leaders. And then there are the ones that had already had a bad relationship with the student unions or student representatives that had already had a bad relationship with their with the university and with their professors and academic personnel. Yeah, I think it depends on that, how the relation was before and how, how the university dealt with that. And then there is the uh, political level. And I think students often are in the same situation as, as students at school. Which we ha also have like the lectures in presence, maybe a little bit more flexible. And yeah, we are still adults. And I think that's, uh, that's a valid point. And we should be treated as such adults. But I think there is like two sides. We, on one hand, we are treated like adults because they say, yeah, you have to, you can deal with it on your own. You're, you're grown up and it's your responsibility. On the other hand, they take a lot of decisions from the students and or just ignore everything and uh, yeah, only worry about the students at school. And uh, I think that's a problem. They take the best for them from both sides of the discussion. And yeah, I think we should be more heard. They should talk more to the students. They should give them more responsibility, just as Lilith also already uh, said with retaking exams and rescheduling them and yeah still and already in the beginning take part in like uh, developing uh, the study program and design their their semester and how the how the lectures and the, uh, events should work i also feel that sometimes the way we think or like the amount we can think is underestimated and many professors believe okay i have to guide the students they cannot decide on their own and they don't know how lectures work and don't know how knowledge transfer works and that makes them not listening a lot to the students feedback and i think this is really hard and i would say not beneficial for all of us because i mean also the professor should be more happy when teaching happy students or students who are actively engaging so i feel they could open up a bit more and what I also think is that now people who have never gone to university also don't know a lot about the academic structure. So they don't know like how university is managed, who makes the decisions, what is the student council. So I guess that the way to like raise your voice has not been that open. Kind of you like maybe continue like you did it at school and um, know, okay, maybe there's a student council, maybe there's an email address I can talk to when I want to complain or something. But I think that it was also quite difficult for the student council to kind of recruit new students who are just not yeah, into the whole system. So I would say that it's important to just educate the students more about like how their university works, what is not an easy thing. So also with the Digital Changemaker and also at Netzwerk N, where I coach sustainable groups at universities, we started to learn about universities all over Germany and there are so many differences. It's really not that easy. So I think you should educate the people or the students more what opportunities they have to get engaged and to open it up to them. Actually, I, I, I think that I learned more about student engagement in the last two years than I did when I was studying back then. Another subject that you raised as well, Lilith, but which has also emerged with um, many students that we talked to considered very important and also very relevant in this situation is the subject of mental health of students and uh, which has been a big one in the in the past years so uh, how what do you think were the consequences of the pandemic on students 
mental health, but also on the way we talk about it. Maybe just also connecting this with what Paul said about how we are kind of treated in a like difficult situation once as children as once as adults. It also was at my university. We tried for several years to organize a mental health workshop. And then it was always like, okay, yeah, you can do it. But then it was not clear how much money we have for it, how to contact like experts. Then we said, okay, the experts, they are totally booked out. Can you help us maybe do? Yeah, you can do it. And it was always like, okay, it's nice that they say, we do not want to make a mental health workshop for you because we do not know your problems. I think that's totally fine to say, okay, it's also up to the students, but maybe then to collaborate and to say, okay, we can help you with this and this and abroad just if there are any possibilities or any problems. So um, it felt a bit more like, okay, you just have to do it in your free time, which is maybe difficult while also suffering from mental health problems or while having to manage your whole study life new because of COVID and then have the whole responsibility to, to do it. And at the same time, maybe even don't have contact to many other students. So you do not want to impose something on them. So I, I think that was really difficult because it was kind of, okay, yeah, we are so nice to you. You can organize it. We offer this opportunity. But then it was more like, okay, just leave you alone and let you organize it in the free time. But um, in the end, we finished up doing a mental health workshop. And when giving this feedback to the people responsible, it was also better. And I had a person in like the center that my study is located that I could approach to, that I could discuss with and that helped me with. That was really nice. So I must say they, they learned and it improved. And then we ended up having this workshop. And I also noticed... I would say two sides of a medal. On the one hand, it got a lot more discussed and about, um, a lot more normal, kind of. So, okay, mental health is an issue. We need to tackle it. The lecturer started to ask, um, how are you? How do you feel at home? Uh, what's about your mental health? So this is a positive attitude that it's getting more normal to discuss about those important issues. But on the other hand, I think that many people were lost and could not orient themselves in the yeah, difficult situation. So again, maybe also looking at the different people with inabilities. For me, for instance, I think I had many possibilities to make my online study structure, talk to people. I already was connected and had a big network, but other people who are just not that self-structured, who are not that outgoing, I think they suffered a lot during this time and did not have a lot of yeah where, where to get help from. Maybe also in future, we should continue to have this topic on the plan and think and talk about it. But we should also be more careful to say, okay, now there is a workshop. You should all be happy now. Because, you know, like this also makes kind of saying we do something for it. That's okay. But not really, really going to the roots of the problem and helping the people. I think, Laura, you already already mentioned it, that we have the numbers and the uh, students that are applying for the for the psychological advisory service of the of the student social services. Uh, they have increased enormously. And I think it comes from uh, a special situation because students, yeah, they are in a special situation. They are not completely independent from like their parents or financially independent in general. So they have, like, most parts, they still have their parents and their, their home base, I would say. And often they are in different cities, sometimes far away. And especially when they moved here, like, right before COVID or, or also during COVID or moved in the, in the new city, they didn't know people. They 
also we we already mentioned the missing knowledge of the structure of the university of the university life and i think that's not only sad that they don't know that or that they don't have this experience i think this experience gives you confidence in your doings while you study and when you don't have that you're constantly in this in have have this constant insecurity about your doings how you're going to make friends or yeah colleagues and connections and how how you should study because it's it's a very different system to the school where often especially during the pandemic the people directly come from because this gap year often didn't take place in the last two years and they just directly went to university because they said said okay i can't travel abroad i can go work there because they are also uh, yeah there are not that many uh, places you can go so i will just go to university and then they moved or they didn't and yeah i think that's a big problem and yeah i i think i experienced it myself so moving to a kind of new city and being here without knowing the fellow students and so on but i think also think it's very good that uh, people talk more about it and also in lectures i often experience it that a professor said okay how are you doing how how is it for you do you have improvements not in the end of the semester they did that after two or three weeks and how can we do it better for you and they also sometimes they make breaks in the middle of the 90 minute class and they said okay now we make a five minute break stretch yourself move a little around maybe you want to get get a coffee or get something to drink from the kitchen and i think that those are small things you can do but you have to regard it's not the the responsibility of the of the professors of the lecturers i think there should be more i yeah by the politics the problem is there and we have to deal with it and in my opinion the only way to deal with it is uh, yeah to expand the psychological services and the help they students could get everyone needs money for that they they can't just grow on trees yeah yeah maybe just one quick remark to that i also did a design thinking project several years ago before the pandemic and we also discussed this with lecturers at schools and it was awful when you see that um, in a whole kind of city or town there was only one responsible for all schools for psychological issues and then the teachers really told me they just don't know what to do and how and I mean that's totally fine because how should they know so they say okay I have this issue with this student and they have this issue with the other student but I don't know what to do I don't know how to approach the student I don't know how to approach the parents so we really need people with knowledge about this for the teachers, for the lecturers, and for the students as well. And yeah, I totally agree to your point that we should base it on a political way and give financial possibilities for it. Thank you for all these ideas about mental health. We also did a special episode on this in the last podcast with students from the Netherlands. So it is a big topic. And we also said that it's important on so many levels, like um, Lilith, what you said before about exams, like maybe not having them all in the end in like two weeks with enormous pressure, but maybe doing them when, when you feel like you're up to it. So there's many approaches of how to deal with the subject but of course it also happens on a bigger level so like it's a something we have to deal with with the society as well and all of us 
So now, in the end, we want to take a little look into the future. We already talked a little bit about what we can learn from the pandemic. Now we also can go a bit further, like imagining like what higher education can look like in the future. What would your wishes be? What do you wish for, for the university of the future? Yeah, with the digital change maker, actually, I made an animated video by envisioning a future university, kind of uh, like how it could be and great. And maybe some quick aspects about it, like we also included the more flexible learning, the um, more team-based learning, so that you um, learn from each other, even maybe more than from the lecturer, that you do like partly at home or you can prepare partly at home and kind of a planned learning system then get together in groups and more what I think is most important more than having a lecturer having a kind of tutor or a, a coach so that it's not like lecturer and people who learn something but it's more than like a coach who helps you with his experience or her experience and you collaborate all together on an eye side. Yeah, I think I can agree to all of that. But yeah, to add my own twist uh, to that, I think yeah, the learning should be more like the student involved. And I think the flexibility should be kept in some parts. I think uh, discussions or seminars that are based on big discussions and yeah, interactions with uh, many different people or with all people in the room, and um, I think they don't. They just don't work on Zoom. They, there are there are like little tweaks and little tools that can help the discussions online, but they won't be the same thing. Especially when when you just transfer it to into the into the internet from the classroom. I am looking forward to that to having that again in the in the in the room in presence. So to sum up your ideal future higher education, it can be very utopian if you want to, in three words. Equal, active, motivating. Student involved, flexible, interactive. Thank you very much. Okay, happy to have had you for our next normal final episode. I think we collected a lot of good ideas for the future of higher education. So thank you for that. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you a lot. Next Normal, We Study at Home is a podcast produced by the Next Education Working Group around Ulf Daniel Ehlers, Patricia Bonodou and Laura Albrecht from the Baden-Württemberg Cooperative State University Karlsruhe in Germany, strongly supported by the ESU, the European Students' Union. Next Normal, We Study at Home. Next Normal, Wir studieren zu Hause.